Welcome to the Adra Insider podcast. Uh, today we are joined by Ilaria from Adra Lebanon, and as always, I'm your host Michael. And um, yeah, we're uh, we're excited to have you, Ilaria. I'm excited to be here. Thank you very much, Michael, for having me here today. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, just a little bit of background. You're from here in Ontario originally. Yes, I'm from Ontario, but I was born in Sudan. Okay. Yeah, we moved to Canada in, in 1993. Okay. So I've lived here since then. Yeah. Oh wow! Yes. And uh, and now you work for Adra Lebanon. Yes, now I work for Adra Lebanon. How did you end up at Adra Lebanon? Actually, uh, when I was here in Canada, mm-hmm. I was uh, interning with a local organization called Global Medic. Okay. okay. And uh, one of the donors or partners was Adra Canada. Before that, I had never heard of Adra, and then I was interning with them, and I saw that how big Adra was. So I was looking more for to work with an organization that actually fulfilled its mission. Um, so I started looking for positions with ADRA, and that's when someone had told me that, okay, ADRA Syria is looking for someone, ADRA Syria and ADRA Lebanon. So I emailed the country director and I asked them for what like positions are available. So I looked online and there was a position for programs, uh, officer, etc. So I got an interview with them and they told me that actually they want me for Adra Syria, not Adra Lebanon. So I went, started with Adra Syria, was there for two years. Two years later, I was coming back to Canada and then they asked me, do you want to come to Adra Lebanon as programs coordinator? And since 2019, I've been there. Until oh, wow, today, okay. yeah. <laughs> All right, so so you've got some experience in the Middle East there. I do, and I speak Arabic, so it helps. Okay, so that helps yeah. a lot. Yes. That helps a lot. Yes. Um, definitely an asset in that part of the world. Exactly. And so um, when you were working for Adra Syria, you were working from Beirut, or were you working in Damascus? I worked in Damascus. Okay, yes. you lived in Damascus. I lived in Damascus. Uh, it was really such an experience. Oh, work. I can imagine yeah. it would be. <laughs> <laughs> During a civil war, yes, but uh, I think that it helped prepare me for what's happening in Lebanon now. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, what's happening in Lebanon right now? Um, there's been a lot that has happened in Lebanon recently. Yes. Uh, most famous would be the explosion, I would say. And uh, if I recall hearing correctly, you were in the country when that happened. Correct. On the way to the airport, was it? Correct. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So did you witnessed it then? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Do, do you want to just sure. talk about that a little bit? Okay. So the day of the explosion, I was finishing up work and then I was on my way to the airport. The airport is only a few kilometers away from the Beirut port. And um, as I got to the airport, I saw several people crying, panicking, yelling. Some were calling their family, some were calling their friends, checking up on them. And I had no idea what was going on. I asked the taxi driver, I'm like, what's going on? He also didn't know. Even though we were so close to the port, we hadn't heard anything. But as soon as I got to the airport, I just saw this big smoke engulfing like all of Beirut and it was red. And so I started to get scared. Some people were saying it was a terrorist attack. Others were saying, no, it was a big fire. So I started calling my colleagues. No one was answering. Couldn't get a hold of them. Uh, Finally, someone was just like, it's okay. It's just a small fire at a warehouse. And this was exactly at 6.07 p.m which was the time that the explosion happened. So I started to panic less. I went into the airport and uh, still tried to communicate with my colleagues, 
the ones that were still at the office, they weren't answering. Uh, then I started getting phone calls from my friends and family here in Canada. And they were asking me if I'm okay. Okay. Yeah, so I still was confused of what's happening because people at the airport are like panicking. There was glass that was broken. Um, and I'm lost as to what is happening. Uh, then I go on Instagram and that's when I saw videos of the explosion. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was so big and it was terrifying that I didn't that I didn't even want to like travel because I was so scared that something was going to happen to the plane because again we didn't know what right. was happening so in my head I'm still thinking okay maybe it was a terrorist attack maybe it was a bomb since Lebanon has that history mm-hmm. so I had no choice because I was talking to the security guards there and they're just like don't worry it's nothing you can still fly so I'm like okay and I was coming home okay. to Canada so I said, okay, I'll get on. Yeah. <laughs> but I was still scared because right. everyone on the flight was panicking and they were crying and, and I just didn't know how to react. And this is the first time that I've ever experienced something like this. Um, but, but then I came. But, so you yeah. came back to Canada yeah. and you were home for a few weeks and then went back? or? Yeah, I was home uh, for maybe like a month. Okay. Yeah. And, and then when I went back, it was as if I entered a new country because everything was broken Mm -hmm. Um, our office actually had collapsed as well so the roof the windows were all broken Um, the whole city was really dark because I think that like a lot of people lost their family and friends they lost their homes they had never experienced anything like this people would even like the Lebanese people would even tell you that this was worse than the civil war yeah because it, it went away and like everything had gone in one minute. Right. It's from like 6.06 to 6.07, everything was gone. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. And this, and this like exacerbated problems that were starting to surface in the country, correct. did it not? Yeah. So Lebanon had uh, already been suffering from the coronavirus pandemic mm-hmm. and the economic crisis, which started in October 2019. Um, so the explosion just made everything worse. Uh, people who couldn't survive they couldn't like reach their like basic necessities now even lost their home Mm. Uh, almost 300,000 people went homeless in Beirut and Beirut is a very small city it's I I, the population is probably a million or even less right so 300,000 of those had lost their homes yeah that's a huge number yeah for such a small small, small city yeah all of Lebanon alone is six million right and two million of them are, are refugees so they were already suffering from what was happening mm-hmm. and the explosion just added to it. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, so you said two million people in the population of six million are refugees. Correct. And I remember that was something that we had talked about um, before COVID and, and before the explosion. Yeah. Um, something because ADRA has had projects. ADRA Canada has been working with ADRA Lebanon for a number of years now yes. with refugees that were in the country. I, I believe we helped with um, education um, and we've also been helping with the Syrian refugees yes um, do you want to just talk about a little bit about our projects that we've had in there in the past of course, yeah so Adria Canada just like you said uh, has been helping with Adria Lebanon and especially in the education sector um, I think that the most thing that was uh, threatening Syrian refugees in Lebanon was education because they either could not afford to go to school or because the curriculum is different than what they had experienced in Syria. The curriculum in Lebanon is in French, whereas in Syria they only speak Arabic. So going to a 
completely new different country and uh, with a new language, it was hard for them to keep up. So Adria Canada's involvement was in our learning centers, which is in Mount Lebanon, very close to Beirut. Mm -hmm. And they uh, supported in making sure that with a retention support program. So this is for uh, children who are 6 to 14 years old. And uh, the Syrian refugees, so they come to our learning center in the morning. Of course, this was a dream before COVID. But yeah, <laughs> yeah um, they come to the center in the morning and we have tutors who will help them. They'll help them with their French, they'll help them with math and science um, and Arabic and making sure that these children don't drop out. Okay. Because you'll see that a lot of Syrian refugees, because they can't keep up with school, the parents will withdraw them right. and, and put them into like uh, maybe working at a gas station or working um, in a, a mechanics shop, anything that uh, can help bring that, uh, some income into that family. Whereas like girls at like 13 years old, they'll get married. Right. So we have this big issue in Lebanon and the project that Adra Canada was supporting was making sure that these children stay in school. We also have the other um, education component, which is for the early childhood education program, mm -hmm. also for Syrian refugees. It's uh, to help all kids from three to five years old right. with a um, early childhood program that can help them enroll into school. So this prepares them with also French, math, science, and Arabic. Uh, they, that way that we know that they'll definitely go into school. Okay. Within the education, we don't only reach children, but we reach their parents and the community. We do different activities with the parents, um, especially on awareness of the educational rights for children, on their uh, knowledge on uh, how early marriage can really uh, affect a young girl, and also child labor. So we want to make sure that these things don't happen. So we do these programs with uh, the parents and the surrounding community. Okay. So how did COVID affect the, these programs? Uh, were these programs still running when COVID started? They were still running, but then um, what happened is that kids now were having to do it remotely. Okay. Uh, what we do is we'll record the videos and we'll send it to the families, um, the parents with their cell phones and the child will watch it on the cell phone. Of course, it's, it's not as effective as being in person with the child, um, especially since you're trying to help the child keep up with school. This uh, COVID was another, um, another component that added to the, the child falling behind in school. Right. Mm. So just one thing after another. And exactly. then the explosion in August. And then <laughs> the explosion. Um, so with the explosion in August, we, we had um, many families who stopped bringing their kids to school. Okay. Because either they went homeless or they had left Lebanon or they maybe moved from Beirut. So we also saw that there was a drop in, in like a dropout for many of our students. Right. But also then we started targeting children from Beirut when before it was closer to our center because families don't have the money to pay for transportation or don't have a car to come all the way to our learning center. Right. So we started seeing that there was an increase um, in people coming from Beirut, but there was a dropout also at the same time. Okay, so there was high turnover right around yes. that time. Okay, and then... Um so this this kind of at least in, in Adra Canada's perspective, we had always been focused on education, but then the explosion happened, and we became very focused on 
emergency response. Exactly. Um, so can you tell a little bit about like how Adra Lebanon was working post-explosion? Immediately after the explosion, uh, all the Adra network offices, they gathered together to raise money for what, was ha- what happened in Lebanon. Uh, it, was, it was actually amazing how fast they were able to do it. Within days, they raised uh, enough money to distribute uh, cash assistance mm-hmm. to the families who lost their homes to, in order for them to repair their homes or to buy the, uh, something that maybe they have lost. For example, it could be a refrigerator or an oven, Adra Canada being one of those offices. But what Adra Canada did was a longer term response to the Beirut blast. With the Canadian Food Grains Bank, they were able to support uh, families through food, which is now also a bigger issue in Lebanon after the explosion. Access to food, being able to afford the high prices of food. So they, um, our project with the Canadian Food Grains Bank and Adra Canada, uh, were supporting 1,063 families in Beirut who were also affected by the blast uh, with an e-card, it's a food e-card, to a local supermarket. And they can shop their monthly food necessities on a on a uh, regular basis, and now it's been twelve months. Okay. Yeah. And is there like limits on what they can use for the the e card? Is it? Yes, is it... we give them a specific amount, and that amount is also determined based on the survival minimum expenditure basket. Okay. So we know how much uh, it will cost, like uh, because we do it, of course, with the it's a whole sector, like the food security sector, and they they. We do an analysis of how much food will cost a family per right. person. Um, so we follow those guidelines. And we know that, uh, for example, before, when the prices were slightly lower, it almost costed 150,000 Lebanese lira mm-hmm. per person per household. Now, because of the um, inflation, the prices of food are higher. So now we give 350,000 Lebanese lira per person per household. Well, what does that work out to Canadian dollars? It really depends. Okay. <laughs> it's so yeah, I complicated. Guess, I guess right now, like Lebanon is in such yeah. flux that probably changes almost daily or hourly, I imagine. Exactly. It changes hourly. So there's the black market rate, there's a bank rate, then there's a th- second bank rate. And a th- okay. it's so, but I would say that I think 350,000 lira can almost equal $20. Okay. 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 Which isn't a lot for us, right. but it it's a lot for for them. Yeah, but yeah, yeah in, in markets around the world, $20 can go a long exactly. way. Exactly. So. Yeah. And so you you like top up the cards for them or Correct. do you hand out new, like no. cards to families? Or they're, how month, they're reloaded monthly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Virtually or? Virtually. Okay. So they yeah. don't have to like come back to the address office and top no. them up or anything. That's perfect. Yeah. So okay. uh, automatically uh, we have a day in a month that the, that the food e-card is reloaded. In addition to the food e-cards, uh, the Canadian Food Grain Bank also supports uh, small to medium enterprises that were affected by the blast. So uh, we had uh, Don from Adra Canada who came uh, uh, right after the explosion by a few months. He came and he did assessment with our meal officer, which is our monitoring and evaluation officer. They went to go visit different small businesses, um, example, restaurants uh, and uh, grocery markets, like small grocery markets Mm -hmm. that were uh, damaged by the explosion um, and uh, who could not afford to repair the shop themselves. So uh, they they identified 32 uh, small to medium uh, businesses and they, uh, with the support of the Canadian Food Grains Bank, we were able to uh, provide each one of them with 2,000 US dollars 
So 2,000 US dollars is uh, good enough in Lebanon to help that shop repair the damages that were done, rehire employees uh, and uh, provide them with some kind of uh, income for a few months until they're able to uh, re-establish themselves okay. and also to purchase all the supplies and food that they, they, they needed again to reopen. Okay, so this is more in the, the rebuilding Exactly. Um, and this is an ongoing project. So for the small businesses, it was a one-time okay. uh, cash assistance. Yep. But for the food e-cards, it's... Uh, that one's ongoing. That's ongoing. Uh, and it was done for 12 months. Okay. And are the education programs still running? They are still running, yes. Okay. But uh, as I said, that they are done remotely now. Right. Yeah, especially for younger children. Um, we don't want to put them at risk of uh, catching COVID. So, but uh, we do have the retention program, the retention support program, which is with the older children, because they have exams and they're it's they struggle more with um, with staying in school. So we bring them in class uh, into the centers, but uh, of course with maybe le like lower numbers than we used to. Okay. Yeah. So now our numbers are lower are lower than we could take before. Right. Which, with with everything else that you guys have yeah. <laughs> taken on in the last year, year and a half. Um, and so that's that's something that I, I wanted to talk about a little bit. So a, a lot of people um, think when a disaster happens, um, we, we go in, we help with the immediate recovery and help people get back on their feet. Uh, things in Lebanon have been different in that... Yes, we've helped people rebuild, but there has been uh, an economic crisis that has kind of snowballed from this whole yes. situation. Um, if, if I'm not mistaken, it had sort of been rumbling in the background for a while before, and then this exactly. just kind of was the catalyst for yes. economic collapse, would you say? Yes. Or? Okay. Well, I definitely think that the economy in Lebanon collapsed. Right. Um, when I had arrived to Lebanon, I hadn't seen the levels of uh, poverty that I had seen even when I lived in Syria. Wow. And this is pre-explosion. Exactly. Okay. In, in February 2019, okay. when I had arrived in Lebanon. It, it was shocking to me because I lived in Syria during a civil war for two years. I lived in Damascus, which is the capital. But what I saw in Lebanon was different. The the Lebanese lira, the currency, was one dollar to one thousand five hundred Lebanese lira, mm -hmm. and it was pegged like that at that rate since nineteen ninety seven, and um, since then it, things slowly started to deteriorate. The situation was slowly getting worse. For example, sometimes there would be no bread in the market. Uh, ATMs would be running out of money. And then uh, sometimes few, uh, fuel stations would report that they have scarcity in fuel. So all of these were uh, small symptoms of what was coming to mm. Lebanon. Then in October 2019, the uh, government had announced that they were going to tax WhatsApp. This was the last straw for the people. Okay. You know, so they took the streets in October 2019. And I'm not sure if you saw videos of the protests. People were... Uh, on the streets, they were lighting tires, mm -hmm. and they were furious because right. so many things were happening, but being able to tax WhatsApp, which is, I'm sure it's not legal, uh, then they were thinking that, like, no, like, what's going on? Something is about to happen. Mm -hmm. So we were all aware of it, but I think we were denying that something bad was going to happen to Lebanon because what's happen happening now, we've never seen before. Yeah. 
So since October 2019, the banks all of a sudden announced that uh, anyone who has U.S. dollars cannot withdraw it from the from the bank. So even as Adra Lebanon, having funds in uh, which are sent from abroad in U.S. dollars, we cannot withdraw it. So even our projects, a lot of them, we, we, we had to pause them because we couldn't pay for anything. Uh, the lira started to weaken. The Lebanese lira started to weaken and went from 1,500 to 2,000, for example. In the, and then the black market started to emerge. Okay, But the, the bank started putting capital control. So, for example, I couldn't withdraw my money from the bank. Uh, Adria Lebanon couldn't. The whole country now could not withdraw their money from banks. So we started to panic. We didn't know what's happening. But then uh, we started to notice that, okay, well, let's just start using the local currency, which is hard because when the black market started to emerge and the lira started to weaken, all of the suppliers and contractors, because everything in Lebanon, like 98% of everything is imported in Lebanon, uh, they started uh, charging at the black market rate. So slowly it went from 1,500, 2,000, 3,000, etc. Now it's at $1 to $20,000. Wow. wow. Which, yeah. That's, that's wild inflation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, you have to keep in mind that this is the black market rate. The, right. the bank rate still uses the 1,500 rate, but no one in the country uses that. So if I'm going to buy food, the supermarket will price that food at 20000 or whatever the daily rate is. Okay. So this rate changes on a daily basis. And so like prices in grocery stores changes yeah. pretty much daily as well. The price of food um, increased by 404% since October 2019. Wow. Yeah. So the, for example, uh, just pur purchasing uh, vegetables and fruits, you can no longer afford it. I know so that that's all of this is what has been even increasing the levels of poverty in Lebanon. Um, Lebanese families who were in middle class are now in, in under the poverty line. Syrian refugees going from almost 75% of Syrian refugees living under the poverty line are now at 90%. And almost all Syrian refugees are living under the poverty line in Lebanon. Uh, there are more homeless people now, uh, more children are engaged in child labor, uh, younger girls are getting married, uh, people have lost their jobs tremendously. Like there, there is such a high rate of un unemployment in Lebanon now that they don't know how to survive anymore. Like we're, even our beneficiaries that we're su supporting with this, um, the food e-cards, the, the food e-cards we provide them with are not even enough anymore because the, the prices change on a daily basis right. in the supermarket. No one can afford their basic necessities anymore. So I think that the explosion happening, it was just another addition to what was already happening in Lebanon. The people are suffering. We, I, we, can't, we don't have access to water anymore. We don't have access to fuel. We don't have access to food. We're just living day by day. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize things were so bad there. It's... It, it's unfortunate to hear, yes. um, but it's um, it's also great what Adra is doing. Yes, I uh, I love that Adra is there, trying to feed people that just yeah. can't afford to even buy vegetables and fruit. Like, yeah, Adra Lebanon has done a great job at responding, especially after the explosion. Um, the the day right after the explosion, 
it looked like as if it was the end of the world, you know. But the team, all of the Agile Lebanon team, and even we had immediately a, a team from all over, all over the world. We had from Brazil, we had from uh, Germany, uh, Agile like, uh, personnel being deployed to Lebanon. Yes. They were an emergency team. Yeah, our, uh, Adra, um, for our, our viewers and our listeners, Adra has a program called Emergency Response Team or Emergency Response Network, where if a disaster happens, we have highly trained professionals around the world that can then go to where the disaster has happened and respond uh, immediately. Exactly. So it, it was amazing. I mean, at that time, I was in Canada, unfortunately, and mm. I couldn't help. Uh, I wasn't on the ground, but my team there, they did such an excellent job on going. The next day, they were distributing water, they were distributing food, uh, blankets. Um, uh, they were distributing flashlights because the, there was, the electricity had gone out. Um, and this was not only to the, the people who had lost their homes, but over there we have um, the Lebanese Red Cross, uh, uh, who we were also distributing to because they were the, the on the uh, field responders. Okay. So we were providing them with water um, and with food and flashlights. So I think that just being able to respond the next day, and although they had suffered from the explosion themselves, right. Uh, it shows how strong they are. Yeah, like, like you had mentioned that the office, the Adra office, yes. had collapsed. And Correct. You uh, were there any employees in the office at the time? Yes, we had uh, two two of my colleagues who were still in the office. They were that day. They decided to work late. I don't know why. Right. They decided to w work until six p.m. Uh, past six, and uh, the we have one um, uh, colleague who actually went through the Lebanese civil war. So when she had uh, heard the first um, explosion, there were two, mm -hmm. when she had first heard the first smaller one, she knew exactly what to do. So she, um, my, my other colleague, she started panicking, but she told her to calm down and just go under a table. And uh, uh, she thought it was, um, unfortunately, she thought it was, um, airplanes um, like an airstrike or? like an airstrike okay. yeah so she they went on the table and then within seconds the our roof collapsed all the windows in our office broke uh, and uh, they didn't know how to get out uh, they waited until uh, all of the f the smoke had gone and then they were they finally just went down uh, and left the office wow well, I'm glad they were okay. There was no injuries. There were no injuries, uh, thanks to uh, her smartness, um, yeah, her, her her smartness and her unfortunate experience with yeah. the Lebanese Civil War. Yeah. So, but ultimately, that possibly saved her and her colleagues' lives. So that's that's exactly. very very good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm glad to hear that they were both fine. Same. Just wondering, going forward now. So we we have we've seen basically the trans transformation of our projects from education with the, the refugees and then the response and now yeah. the the ongoing um, helping people with food so what 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 future projects does Adra yeah. what, what is Adra looking like in the future going forward in Lebanon so I think with the on ongoing crisis uh, especially with um, people not being able to afford food I think that Adra Lebanon um, is looking to respond more to this and because food before wasn't such an issue in Lebanon, but now it's the biggest. People, the, the hunger levels have really increased. So 
I think that we that we want to continue providing food with people. Uh, we are looking to continue our partnership with Adria Canada uh, in order to be able to reach not only people who are affected by the blast, but people who are also affected by this economic crisis. Mm -hmm. So that's why we want to continue with um, our food distribution. Okay, and this is our projects in partnership with Canadian Food Grains Bank? Correct, okay. yes. The Canadian Food Grains Bank has been working with Adra Lebanon now. Um, has it been since the explosion or before the explosion as well? It's been uh, in, uh, since the explosion. Okay. Yes. So Adra Lebanon has been um, working with uh, the Canadian Food Grains Bank for one year now, since okay. uh, since last October, and since the onset of the as a response to the Beirut port blast. Okay, and ongoing now and into ongoing. the future. Okay. Well, that uh, is, was an amazing story thank and you. information thank you so much for sharing thanks for joining us today it was it was great having you thank you for having me here and if people are interested is there a way that they can follow Adra Lebanon yeah uh, to keep up with the work uh, that Adra Lebanon is doing they can follow us on our social media it's just Adra Lebanon you can, we are on Instagram and on Facebook okay great so if yeah follow them on uh, on the social media accounts um, also, if you want to learn more or to donate uh, towards uh, projects in Lebanon, you can visit adra.ca slash Lebanon. I would also like you to check out our other podcasts at adra.ca slash podcast. We are also on Roku and Amazon Fire TV, um, so you can check us out there as well as YouTube and Vimeo. So lots of ways to watch the Adra Insider podcast. Thank you so much for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you.